Welcome. Great. Theo of Herbal Face Food Company. Yes, thank you for taking the time. Um, I have to say, and you know, this isn't really advertisement. I'm, I'm speaking with you, but I'm very, very happy with with your products, with the serums that I have been using. They're wow. very, very impressive. And the first thing that I noticed, um, and I think you know, I've mentioned that even on on my blog to my followers before. It's very potent. Mm -hmm. That's right. So before we dive into the actual history of the product yeah. and how you got to where you are today, how is it so potent when it's 100% natural and it's just, it's, it's just plants, right? Right. Yeah. So we, we're the only company in the world that formulates on the only scientific scale in the world around antioxidants, anti-aging. And so... There is a scientific uh, test that will test the potency of a given ingredient on the anti-aging antioxidant scale. So what we did is go out and find the most powerful uh, substances, uh, plant or chemical that were ever tested on the auric scale. And we um, formulated those plants together. We have 50 botanicals. We have the 20 rarest botanicals in the world. And so we are the highest thing ever tested on the antioxidant anti-aging scale on the only scientific one in the world. And so it creates this uber potency um, that, you know, for example, on that scale, vitamin C, which is ubiquitous in, in, as the number one anti-aging oxidant in skincare today, the, the best vitamin C in the world will only register 100,000. Okay. Our product registers over 30 million on the org scale. And we have ingredients like astaxanthin that's in the millions on the org scale all by itself. So that's 100,000 times the power of vitamin C. And so you're getting 300,000 times the power of vitamin C as an antioxidant on your skin. And that's where the potency comes from. Yeah, you can feel it tingling your skin when you apply it, but in a good way. Like it's not, you know, I've used some products before where it kind of gets scary you know, when you apply it and you're like, oh my God, like, I wonder if my skin is going to burn or, um, in this case, you just kind of feel it working. So it's not, it's, it's very potent, but it's not overpowering. It, yeah, well, it's the, kind of like that perfect balance. Yeah. The irony is it's, um, it, it, not only is it the most potent antioxidant, it's also the most potent, uh, anti-inflammatory. And so our product takes away reactions It'll take away a reaction from another product. It uh, will take away redness. It'll take away any kind of inflammation. Um, and so even though it heats up on the skin, ironically, it would take away inflammation. So um, it's, even though it's feel, it feels like maybe a chemical peel, it has that chem, a little bit of a chemical sensation, it's actually doing the opposite of what a chemical would do. And it's hard to understand unless you've tried it. People who have tried it, they're like, oh, I thought my face was going to turn red, or I thought I would have inflammation, or I thought there'd be some kind of reaction because I felt this warm sensation. And they look in the mirror and there's nothing there. And, um, and then I have people all over the world that use it to get rid of sunburn, to get rid of a chemical reaction, to get rid of uh, any kind of inflammation. So it's really um, contrarian. Uh, and <laughs> you, and you really do have to experience it to really believe that and see that's true. 
Yeah, for sure. Did you come up with that on your own? Like, did you do your own research into what plants would have that sort of, you know, benefit and reaction to your skin? How, how did you get to that product? Well, I wrote a book uh, called The Self-Health Revolution. We got endorsed by Whole Foods Markets and the founder of Whole Foods. And in the book, I did a lot of research on the org scale. And so um, after the book came out, I was doing all these TV interviews. I had these dark patches on both sides of my face because I used the tan and tanning beds. And so, you know, I'd healed myself from the inside out. I, this was one of the last things I really needed to heal and address. And I turned back to the org scale um, to heal my skin. And I started working with one of the top herbalists in the country in Malibu, where I live. Um, and then we started looking around the planet, identifying the most powerful botanicals in the world on the org scale. And uh, he helped me with the original formulation. And then that was over 10 years ago. So I've been working with the formulation really ever since. And we're on our, you know, we're like a 5.0 version of that original formulation. We start off, I think, at 10 million on the org. We're at 30 million. We're headed towards 50 million on the org. And how did you come about to even do that research? So I know in your book, I read your story. Do you mind sharing that? And I guess, <laughs> you know, maybe not, not obviously the length of the whole book, but your story, how you got to, to the self-health revelation that you had. Yeah. So, um, my dad died at 57 and when I uh, turned 40, I was in my early forties. I started looking like my dad and high blood pressure, high cholesterol um obese and i knew if i didn't do something then i was going to end up like my dad i didn't understand why i was you know going down the same path and, and and to be honest with you most people i knew and other family members too and so that's when i began to uh, learn and grow i started you know i started learning about the food i'm eating you know i started learning about you are what you eat eats so it's not just about the food What's the food been eating? What, what have these plants been eating? What have these animals been eating that I'm eating? Because whatever they were eating is what I'm going to be eating. And th these were things, these were eurekas in my life. I had never even thought about what has this cow been eating? That never occurred to me, <laughs> believe it or not. And so I, that just opened up my whole world and changed my life. In six months, my body was different in six months. I had a new body. A new license on life. I decided to write the book for people like me. You know, the book is a health book for non-health nuts. It's one of the most simple, easy to read books, and you can really get it. It's baby steps. And so that started my whole journey. I realized then that I could personally figure things out and heal myself. I could go to the marketplace of ideas and I could extract what I needed to heal myself. And that's the idea of self-health, right? It's the idea of taking control of your own health, whether it's your skin or it's your liver or it's your lungs or your, uh, your, your body or what your digestion, whatever it is, your emotions, your, your psychology. So whatever it is, you have the ability to heal yourself and it just takes a commitment to learn and to grow. And, uh, and that's, that's what I preach and teach. And so Everything that I've done ever since then has been about discovering things that, that heal me and then sharing those things with other people. And that's what I've been doing for 10 years now. I used to be in corporate America. I used to own a lot of companies. I started many different companies. I was a serial entrepreneur. And, um, and this has been you know, my journey really for the last 10 years. And um, 
it's been very interesting. You know, my focus is really about helping people and helping them become the best version of themselves, healing themselves from the inside out and the outside in. And our company is not really focused on money. We've been very successful. We've, I've made more money in the last 10 years than I've ever made in my life. And, but we don't, uh, it's really not our focus. And we put people before profits and uh, we want, we really want to change the world. And, um, you know, we, we look at the skincare industry and we believe there's a lot of things that need to be changed. It needs, the paradigm needs to be shifted. It needs to be turned upside down or right side up as we, as we see it. And so that's, we're on a mission. That's what we're about. A mission that came from a personal experience, right? From, right. from going, how long did it take you? You said within six months you started to see difference Yeah. when, when you changed your, and what exactly did you change your nutrition? And then yeah, was well, it I think nutrition? It's like, of course. Yeah. I think what I started doing was saying, okay, uh, what does my body need? That's not getting. And, um, if you start with the premise, uh, the body is capable of healing itself of just about anything given the right material. And most of us aren't getting the right material. And so once you start saying, I wonder what would happen if I ate this, I wonder what would happen if I put this in my mouth and in my body and on my skin, I wonder what this plant could do. And so my core philosophy is that for whatever ails you, there is somewhere on the planet a plant or a group of plants for which there is a cure, whether it's internal or external or whatever, even psychological, e even emotionally. So um, it's just a matter of finding those plants and, and getting the right combination of the quantity of plants. So eat the rainbow. Eat the rainbow is, is a philosophy of mine. You know, one tomato has 10,000 phytonutrients. That's a red tomato. Okay, take a yellow tomato, it has another whole set of thousands of phytonutrients, a brown tomato and, and an orange tomato, and you can go on and on. So what if I get multicolored tomatoes and then I get 12 different lettuces and I get and I mix all this together and eat salads and drink smoothies and I and I start maximizing um, the nutrient potency of what I'm taking in my body or putting on my skin. What can the body do with all of that? The body can do miracles with all of that. And the problem is we're just not getting the nutrients that our body needs to heal itself. And so, and that is the core philosophy behind self-health revolution, herbal face food, is giving your body all of the power that it needs to really do the miracles that it can do. The body can heal itself with just about anything. Just give it what it needs and get rid of the toxins because the toxins will load it. But you know what? Even if you're not getting rid of the toxins, if you're loading it with um, powerful nutrient-dense um, packets, it, it will still heal itself. and It'll get rid of the, the toxins as well. Yeah. Would you say your diet is balanced? Like, do you eat a little bit of everything or do you actually diet? Do you exclude completely certain foods? No, I don't, I, you know, I don't believe in dieting. There's a, the root word of dieting is die. And <laughs> I never thought of it that way, yeah. but now I definitely will. Die and dieting. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I think dieting is not sustainable. And so mm -hmm. I don't believe in that. What it, what it's about is training 
and you don't really have to do this for very long. If you take 30 days and you just decide, I'm going to start eating the most nutrient-dense foods I can get my hands on and supplements and smoothies, whatever, and I'm going to still eat some of the bad stuff. I'm going to eat pizza and I'm going to eat hammers, hot dogs. I'm going to eat whatever, you know, candy, white sugar, white bread, whatever. You're going to eat all that. Okay, fine. Your body will start automatically choosing the healthier stuff and it's going to start craving it even subconsciously you'll start wanting the nutrient dense foods because your body's going to start choosing that for you we just never give our bodies the chance to do that and you'll you might want to taste pizza but you don't want to eat it you might want to taste a hamburger but you don't want to eat it. you might want to taste sugar but you don't want to eat it and you'll start being repulsed by things that the body doesn't need, the body doesn't want. Things that are super sugary that you used to eat will, will turn you off. It'll, it'll be gross to you. You'll be like, Ugh, God, how can people drink this or eat this? And you may have used to do it all the time. And so that's how you start. And that's not dieting, okay? You can eat whatever you want, okay? Just make sure you're giving your body the good stuff first. Give it the good stuff first. Eat the bad stuff second. And you may have to be disciplined in the early days, you know, maybe things you don't like the taste of, but you'll grow to love it and you'll crave it. And you'll, you know, when I get a plate of food now, you know what I get turned on by um, emotionally, physically, um, you know, my taste buds, it's the most nutrient. I, I can tell you whatever I like on that plate is the most nutrient dense food. And I don't even know what it is sometimes. Like I'll go to a restaurant and they'll serve me something in a salad. I don't even know what it is. And then I find out later, oh, that's what it is. Well, I love that. And I wanted more of that. And so it's not dieting. I think dieting is about discipline, doing something you don't want to do and you hate to do for a period of time. You just can't keep that going. Some people can. I mean, if the military types, you know, they'll, you know, they could do it for 10 years. I know people eat the same thing every day for 20 years. But most of us can't do that. And so um, it's about training your body, giving your body the chance to, to get the good stuff. And when you do, it'll want more and more of the good stuff. Um, and, and that's what I've seen in my life. So it's not a diet. Um, it's more about what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Finding, fi giving your body to find what it loves and needs and wants. Your body will tell you what it wants and what it needs. And it's about listening to your body. And there's nothing dieting about that. Yeah. Getting your body used to the, the good stuff that what's actually good for it. Right. Yeah. I definitely feel like over the last five years I've experienced that, like I crave a lot less sugar. I crave a lot less, you know, fatty, oily stuff <laughs> just because I've kind of trained my body to eat what is good for it. Of course, yes, sometimes I indulge in a little bit of dessert here and there. I love wine, but it's not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not something that is, yeah. <laughs> uh, wine is for dessert. That's what I usually do. Like wine is my dessert, but it's definitely easier. It gets easier with time because your body, you're right, craves, craves the nutrients and craves the healthy stuff. I kind of have the same approach on dieting. I know of people who are very strict with their diets, but more so for health reasons. Like they have certain right. um, health conditions that just can't 
right. you know, tolerate any other type of food except for like, you know, carnivore diet that has been lately a really big hit for a lot of people who have like autoimmune diseases and all right. of that kind of stuff. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how it works, but I just know of people who can keep it up for a prolonged period of time because if they don't, it hurts them, sure. right? They go into actual pain. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have those health conditions, I agree with you. It's much harder to to maintain a very strict diet. It's much better if you just make make more of a lifestyle choice right. around your, your food. And, and your body does crave it, just like it craves working out. If you get used to working out, your body will crave it. It really will. It takes a long time, but <laughs> it'll crave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything good like that. And, um, and, you, and the thing is, I think if you tell your – like you said, there's some people that can't have their margin of error is very small. Um, but you know, I don't, there's nothing I won't taste. So you, you know, I'll taste the pizza. I'll taste this. I'll taste that. I'll taste the rib or I'm not a vegetarian. I'm an omnivore, but, um, but I don't live on it. It's not my sustenance. Right. Yeah. And, and my sustenance is what I eat most of the time, but I don't limit myself. And I think, um, that hurts people. If you say I can never, ever have ice cream ever again. And then you, then what, then you want ice cream. That's probably what you're going <laughs> to, you're going to create, you know, whatever you say to yourself like that. So why just, yeah, have a little bite or two of ice cream and, and satiate that and then move on, but don't live on it. Yeah. Live a little right here and there. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not going to, impact your body in a big way um so why not but where are you getting most of your food from that's what's important yeah did you when you kind of embarked on the journey of testing out what works best for your body and straightening out your health was that something that you ever talk to a medical professional about did they ever advise you to go down that path or was it just your personal discovery no it wasn't driven by a doctor like a come to jesus moment with a doctor or the doctor says you have to do this and that. no it was just intuitive it was like i knew i'm gonna die like my dad and if and i'm gonna be unhealthy if i don't make if I don't change, I knew it. It was like, it hit me one day and I had children and I knew I lost my dad really early in my life and it really crushed me. I needed him here. I, I still need him. I still miss him. I still wish he was here. He should be here. And I didn't want to be that person. And, um, and that started it. And so it was, it was an ultimatum I came to myself with and at some point, you know, you change when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. And um, so the pain of being who I was became too great. <laughs> so it was painful to change, but much more painful to die at 57 or 58 or whatever the age would have been for me. What's interesting to me is that for so many people, the pain of not changing is less than changing. Well, the reason why that is, is because they they haven't put themselves in touch with it, you know? So um, what you have to do is ratchet up the pain of staying the same. In other words, you have to come in contact with it. You know, if you're, let's say you smoke. So you go down to the hospital and you meet people with lung cancer 
and you look at charts and you look at lungs of people who died of lung cancer and you go to a funeral and visit with a wife or husband that lost their loved ones because they just couldn't stop smoking or whatever the chain. And I'm not trying to pick on smokers. I'm just saying you have to, you have to say, you know, what would it be like if my kids are like, you know, have to experience me dying at 57 or how would they feel? And you, and you lean into that, you lean into those things. And so you increase the pain of not changing by be- becoming very realistic about it. And, um, you know, and, you know, what are people going to say when I die? What kind of legacy am I going to leave? You know, what are the next five, 10 years going to look like? And I think that's, yeah, it's hard to do. You, no one, nobody wants to do that. But if you really want to change, if you start thinking about that sort of thing, it'll become very painful very quickly. And um, the pain of changing won't seem that great. It'll seem like, it'll actually seem like uh, fun. It'll seem exciting and fun. How much do you think and believe in your relationship between your body and mind? And how much does your mind cause certain diseases in and illnesses in your body? Do you believe in that? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been proven. Um, you know, it's been proven. Uh, think about this. You know, I talk about in my book, Glenn Cunningham. So Glenn Cunningham was the first person to break the four minute mile before he broke the four minute mile. Uh, no one believed it was possible and it was, and it'd been impossible, impossible for decades within six months of breaking the four minute mile. I think it was 12 other people broke it certainly within the year. Um, what, so what happened? Uh, technology, you know, the tennis shoes, the training, you know, the training improved in that period of time. There's only one logical reason why that happened was th- he broke the thought barrier. He broke the belief barrier. And once he broke the belief barrier, everyone else thought I could do it too. And so it's a myth. So you're talking about something that was a physical impossibility that was breached by human thought. The only thing that changed was how a human thought and viewed that. What was their belief about something? The only thing that changed. This was physiological. And you can, you'll see that with health. You'll see that with disease. I mean, there's, there's been innumerable tests on that about the power of the mind over the body and what the, what, uh, the mind can do. So I, I definitely believe in that a thousand percent. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Louise Hay? Yes. She has a book. You might be familiar with it, but I always find it fascinating. I think it's called You Can Heal Your Life. But she has a list of diseases, like very common diseases in society. And she links them to an emotion Mm -hmm. that a person experienced that could have triggered that disease. Sure. And... It's fascinating to me. And she, she had terminal stage ovarian cancer when she was in her forties. And then she lived until she was 92. And, you know, when you hear something like that, there's huge credibility right away attached to it. Cause it's like, okay, you've been through it. You obviously know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and it's fascinating anytime, like you have a cold or, you know, anytime I feel something is off with my body and I was trying to figure out if it's, um, you know, I read those 
those correlations between a disease and a, an emotion. And I almost want to believe that that is the case, or is it actually the case? So I started to do this thing where if, you know, if I was feeling sick, I would think about what has happened in the last little while that could have made that happen. Like what emotion did I feel? And then I would go and check it. And it almost always coincides wow. with what I was feeling. Yeah. That's a revelation. Yeah. It's very interesting. Our, our mind is, I think, so much more powerful than most people realize for sure. Yeah. And I think that's true in a negative way too, right? It, that you can affect your life physiologically by your thinking and your thoughts positively and negatively. Yeah. So I think that's really a revelation. I'll have now you, now I'm going to have to think about that from now on. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> you feel anything negative, you're like, wait, I don't want this to cause any diseases or anything. Yeah, for sure. Going back to entrepreneurship. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of entrepreneurs following me and they always request when I'm speaking to an entrepreneur to, you know, I guess just gain certain inspiration, advice or anything like that. You obviously are running a business that you are passionate about. Yeah. So two questions. Yeah. How important is it to run a business that you're truly passionate about? And how much does that, um, how much success in that business depends on your passion towards it? Mm -hmm. And how, if, if someone is, you know, feeling at heart that they are an entrepreneur and they want to open their own business and they don't know what their passion is, what would your advice be as to how you find that passion? Okay. Loaded questions, but. No, it's, they're great. I love these kind of questions. They're, it's like right up my alley. I mean, yeah. So I think the precursor to, to passion is belief. So what is it you really believe in? What is it you're willing to die for? What is it you're willing to, um, you know, fight to the death for? And so what are your deep, um, you know, non-negotiable beliefs? And, and, um, and then from those beliefs, if you have them, um, and when you find them, then that's where your passion comes from. So the passion is born out of this deep belief. Um, and so, and, and that's that's the hard work of life, right? The hard work of life is determining what you really believe. What is it I really believe? What is it I have the deep conviction about? What is it I'm willing to give my life to? Um, and um, what am I willing to do about those beliefs? And from that, you develop this passion um, that cannot be thwarted. It cannot be overcome because you have this um, undeniable, irrefutable belief. Um, and you see this in certain people. You see this in Gandhi. You see this in Martin Luther King. You see this in Jesus Christ. Um, because those are men that changed the world with very little weapons, with very little tools, with very little power. If you want to look at it that way, they didn't have the levers that other people, uh, men have had, but they changed the world and, and they did it, it through very simple means. Why? Because when you met them, you either joined them or you got out of their way because you knew 
this is a man of conviction. This is a woman of conviction. Joan of Arc is another one. I'm leaving all I'm leaving women out. I just noticed. But yeah, so, so that's where it begins. So what is it you really believe in? What are you willing to give your life for? What are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to die for? And then extending that into your passion in life and what you can do to change the world. You know, I always say, you know, people aren't lazy. They just have impotent goals or they have impotent beliefs. That is goals and beliefs that do not inspire them. Okay. But if you have goals and beliefs that do inspire you, um, then you're, you are going to catch on fire and the world is going to come and watch you burn because you just can't be put out. And I think that's what, that's where you want to be at some level. There's all kinds of levels of that. I'm not seeing everybody's going to be a Gandhi or Martin Luther King. What I'm trying to say is the more you can tap into that, the, the more successful you're going to be at living the life you're meant to live. And by the way, if you're not living your passion, if your work is not your passion, you're losing money and you're losing lots of it. You're losing millions of dollars because um, if you were doing your passion, you're going to have so much more energy and you're going to be so, you know, I've made more money than I've ever made in my life. I used to just spend time looking for companies and opportunities that would be successful, that would make, they were smarts, right? This will make me a lot of money and this will be the best use of my time. And a lot of people look at life that way. And that's okay. You can live that way. But what if what you were doing was what you're really passionate about? You, you, you had endless, boundless energy to do. It wasn't work. You eat, sleep, and drink it. And you still want more. You want to do more. And it's driven out of your belief and your passion. Then you're going to make lots of money. You're going to, because the more people you help, the more people you change their lives, they're going to reward you. And the money will come. The money will come. So don't even worry about the money. Um, just worry about helping people and dramatically changing their lives and bringing something to the marketplace um, that rivets people. You know, today, um, with everybody who buys our product, I give them a copy of my book. And, um, and we've been doing that for several years. And so a lot of times I'll get letters, I'll get emails and texts and, all kind of, and phone calls. And people tell me, hey, Michael, you know, I got your product. I just wanted to look younger. <laughs> that was my real goal. We got your book and we read it. And I, you know, my pantry's cleaned out. My refrigerator's cleaned out. We're making your smoothie. We don't get sick anymore. My kids are loving the food. And that's when, that's when I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And that's what I really get excited about is dramatically changing people's lives. And the more you can be involved in that, the more impact you're living, you're having on that, you can call it, I call it, you know, Matt, it's not Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but it's Maslow's hierarchy of impact. So the higher the impact you can have on someone's life, the more um, satisfying that's going to be. And if you can change their lives physically and making them look younger or save their health in some way, that's going to be great. If you can help them spiritually and you can help them with forgiveness and, um, you know, um, you know, satisfaction and, um, you know, authenticity and finding their passion, the higher up you can go on that scale, the more impact you're going to have and the happier you're going to be with what you're doing. So 
anyway, I think that's, you know, finding what you believe in. And, and so if you don't have that, if you haven't found that, then you know what you need to do? Make it your full-time job to discovering that. So instead of going out and doing something lame that you don't really want to do, take that time and, and say, it's my, my full-time job is to find out what I'm really passionate about. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do that until I discover it. And maybe you'll find it right away. Maybe it'll take some more time, but you never give up on that. You never quit. You never give in and go, you know, maybe corporate America is your thing. You know, I'm sort of a little anti-corporate America, but um, you don't give in and, and go get a job and settle and do what everybody else is doing. You just don't quit until you find that passion. And um, and that may take some time to discover. I think I, I didn't discover it until my 40s, if you want to be honest. I knew it was there, but I never I guess I never had the guts to, <laughs> to really go for it until I was until I got older. Yeah, that happens, right? You kind of, you, maybe you know what you want to do or what you need to do, but you you don't really, you're like, eh, maybe it's not the time right, yet, or maybe I need to wait a little bit more. True. But what I'm hearing, and that's something that I feel like is a common theme f with pretty much every entrepreneur that I've talked to, you need to approach your work from a place of service. How can you service the world and how can you make people's lives better in some way, shape or form? Yeah. Michael, thank you so much. We are at our time pretty much. It flew by. I wanted to ask for our audience, uh, where can they find you and your book? I've shared the uh, serums and the products and the link to your website. I'm going to share it again, but just kind of for the purposes of the episode, where can they find you? Yeah. So our website is herbalfacethrough.com. Um, we're on Instagram and if you go on Instagram on our herbal face food, Instagram, and, uh, you say, Hey, I was on the podcast and I would love to get a copy copy of the self-health revolution. Let us know how to reach out to you and we will make sure you get a copy of that just for being part of this. And so, um, and anybody would love to reach out to me, I, you know, in the book, I have a 10 day challenge. If you do take that challenge feel free to reach out to me and um, I'd love to help you through that challenge. It's what I do every day, all day long. And certainly if you get our products and try them, we have a hundred percent money back guarantee. Um, you can, we have an empty bottle guarantee. So even if you get the product and use it and you don't like it, <laughs> which I can't imagine, but if you didn't, we'll return it for free. We don't really care. Um, so you, there's no risk in doing that. So, um, any way I can help, you know, I talk to people uh, every day about how to use the product and uh, give them orientation. So I'm here for all that. You know, that's really my biggest job is, um, you know, I am I, you know, my real job is evangelist and and and, um, you know, uh, educating about the product and getting people to try the product and then helping them get results. And the same thing with the book. And that's what I do all day long. And that's what I really love doing. I spend very little time in meetings and doing corporate stuff because it really bores me. <laughs> so, thank you so much. I will be sure to include all the links also in the description of, of the of the podcast. And if anyone has any questions, you can reach out either to me or to Michael. Thank you for listening to Catamania. If you like this podcast, feel free to follow Catamania on YouTube as well as follow me, your host. 
on Instagram and TikTok with the handle being Christina Cataman. C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-A-T-A-M-A-N. Stay blessed, my friends. Thank you.